0: Welcome to Call to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific podcast. In season three, we will have guests join us to share how their work and their commitment to SSND's corporate stance for comprehensive immigration reform plays an important role in transforming the world through education and awareness. We look forward to discussing this topic on migration together as we stand in solidarity. Welcome back to another episode of Call to Action, Today's episode is Episode 8, DACA and Dreamers. Sister Anna Marie, how have you been since last episode?
1: I have been very good. Since our last episode, we had that great conversation with Sister Limitiz about the intersection of racism, migration, and climate change. When I've been thinking about that intersectionality, in many ways, like taking off the thin veil of why our immigration system doesn't work, you really see where that intersectionality plays out. Just looking at how racism plays into immigration and the racial requirements um, that have gone on actually since the beginning of the country and the first immigration laws. How about you, Adam? What have you been thinking about?
0: You know, I, I think that episode affected me pretty profoundly too. I really enjoyed having her on the show to give us uh, a little bit more of a global view. I mean, almost every country, especially countries that are dealing with uh, violence, uh, famine, uh, natural disasters, it it was really eye-opening.
1: I think we're going to have another eye-opening episode today. And today, as you mentioned, our topic is DACA. Which is actually an acronym for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and I'm pleased to have with us Sister Kathy Doherty, uh, who will be sharing, and also she brings along a guest, so uh, Yvonne, a young woman who is a DACA recipient. So welcome, Kathy, and welcome Yvonne.
0: Sister Kathy, could you um, tell me a little about yourself? What ministry are you working in now? When did you become an SSND?
2: Well, it's good to be here with all of you, and I entered in 1977. I'm from St. Louis, so I entered into the St. Louis province. I've been professed 43 years um, by this July. My ministry where I met Yvonne, I served almost 30 years at Our Lady of Guadalupe. So my background when I entered was in mathematics. However, I went to teach in Effingham first grade, so I never got to use my math degree. (laughs) And then I was supposed to get a master's in mathematics when I took first and final vows. But by that time, I was involved in parish work. So I went to the University of Notre Dame and got a master's in liturgy. So I became a liturgist. So then I've been working as a liturgist for the last 30 years or so, uh, serving in an immigrant population, mostly Mexicans. But we had 13 different countries represented at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish. So I left that position last year. Now I am working in the archdiocese for the mission schools. And so I do fundraising and grant writing, but I'm also serving on the Immigration Task Force, which keeps me involved with the immigration work within the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and which Yvonne is also a member. I got her on the committee, so she's also a member of the Immigration Task Force.
1: Well, Yvonne, we are thrilled to have you with us. And tell us a little bit about your family.
3: So I'm originally from Mexico City. I came to the United States when I was eight years old, back in 2003. Uh, it's been 20 years since I've been back, and I arrived in St. Louis, so I've never been anywhere else in the country. And I went straight to Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish in Ferguson, and that's when like I met Sister Kathy, and I just started
0: going to catechism. I was drawn to like volunteering. One of the things we wanted to explore was who are dreamers and where do they come from.
3: The word dreamers it refers to men and women who were brought to the United States when they were little so as teens and children so it's a word that people use to call children when they were they were brought here when they were little that is the word dreamers everybody can become can be become a dreamer everybody can be a dreamer but it's when you
2: guys were brought here as children or teens so there's yeah. a distinction between dreamers and daca and they're not the same
3: we are called dreamers but DACA is the order that Obama made. Dreamers is what they called us. In in 2012, the former President Obama signed an executive order that provided Dreamers a relief from deportation. That executive order was called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, commonly known as DACA. So that is the other word that we
0: are going to use later on. Uh, how does that go when, when you're working with DACA? Like what what classifications of citizenship can you work towards or is there any limitations to what you can apply for?
2: Right now, currently, there is no pathway to citizenship for a DACA recipient. And so a lot of people aren't, are not unaware of that. Right now, there are no new applicants that will be accepted into the DACA recipient program. And so Yvonne entered and every two years, she renews her DACA status.
0: Is there any guarantee since you've been part of the DACA program as long as you you know reapply every two years like are you guaranteed a spot
3: no it, it, so every time you reapply you're not guaranteed for approval so even though they haven't denied me yet but there's no guaranteed and you can be denied anytime for any reason. And, um, you do have to apply six months before your expiration date. So my, right now, currently, my uh, status of DACA re- expires in Dece- um, January next year. So I have to apply six months. So in June or July. So it gives me enough time to be approved. So if I have a job that requires for, for me to have that uh, work permit, they need to have it before it expires. Everything that I have work and driver's license, it goes away. So I have to make sure I
1: I am really renewing on time. Could you share what were the, initially when you first applied for DACA, and there would still be requirements today, to share with our audience, what are the requirements to even apply, especially when that was still open?
3: You had to be 16 years old or younger. You had to be here in the United States June 15th of 2012. You had to have no criminal record whatsoever. You had to have a high school diploma or equivalent. So it's an application fee as well. So it's $500 plus um, lawyer fees if you go that route. First time that I applied for, it was um, $1,500. So that's how much it was for me the first time I I applied. And you have to have enough evidence that you were in the United States since you arrived until the the June 15th date. So all that, you had to prove. You also had to be 35 years or younger.
1: I was remembering when DACA began, a family that I, from a parish I was in, had three sons. Um, the youngest one was 18. The other two were older. And the two older boys asked me for letters. And I said to the younger one, Alonso, I'm like, Alonso, why aren't you asking me for a letter? And he said, oh, hermana, I can't apply for DACA. And um, it was, you mentioned one of the clauses is uh, you haven't been convicted. Um, and we're not talking about a felony, but even a, a serious misdemeanor. And he said to me that he had been picked up and he had been drinking. So they it was a serious misdemeanor. And because of that, he could not apply. And he said, you know, Hermana, I don't know how many of my classmates have been picked up. It doesn't affect them, but it changed everything for him.
3: I I know many stories like that. I'm like people that have been here. It's it's something that we all do as kids, and you get treated differently because you're not from here.
0: That's been kind of a common thread as we've been talking about immigrants applying for different statuses and just the gross difference between, as you painted. Um, so I'm glad you said that because it's it's shocking. You know, like, like you said, I mean, I'm, I went, I was a teen, you know, there's many a times I got into trouble that was, you know, just kid being a kid, but I got let off with a warning or, you know, whatever it wasn't, you know, I, I don't know.
2: One of the things in the
0: state of Missouri, what we were trying about a
2: month ago, if a DACA recipient wants to go to college, a state college here in the state of Missouri, they have to pay international tuition, which is three times the amount of a regular student. And so a group of about 30 of us went up to Jeff City, the capital of Missouri, to try to get the representatives and the senators to take that language out of the budget. They could pay in-state tuition, especially if they went four years to high school here in the state of Missouri and it did not pass. They could go to the other states and pay just out-of-state tuition. They don't have to pay international tuition. We're losing the workforce in the state of Missouri because of the international tuition that DACA recipients have to pay to go to state colleges here. And so those are some of the things we're trying to work on.
1: Um, So Yvonne, as a DACA recipient, what what are the benefits? It doesn't give you uh, an official legal... status that leads to citizenship, but share some of the benefits because you do have this status of deferred action.
3: So when I first received my DACA status, I was extremely like, blessed and happy. I have a license now. I was what, 19 or 18 at the time when I, re- I first received DACA. I was super happy that I could finally be like, oh, I got my driver's license. I have my driver's license. I also went and got my social security. And I was like, oh, I can work finally. It could be any job. I can travel in in the United States without any fear. I think one of the benefits is that you are protected from deportation, that it's one thing, opening a bank account, get a loan, things in that nature that you couldn't do before.
1: Yeah. So you can you can study, you can work, you could buy a house, you could take a loan, but if they take away the deferred action, you lose all of that.
0: What do you think is our government's like big stumbling block? I mean, to me, everything you just said, everything you just said, Sister Anna Marie. I mean, that's all citizen rights. So what is that? Like, why is there that wall where it's like, okay, we well, you can classify for DACA, but only for a limited time. But even when you have DACA status, you're still not a citizen.
1: I guess it goes back to what we were talking about in earlier episodes, Adam, that the whole system is broken. And that's why we need comprehensive, comprehensive immigration reform, because we're not just talking about uh the laws that affect refugees and asylum seekers but laws that affect people and families who have lived in this country now for generations and they do not have a, a status and they do not have a pathway so we really need congress to be able to act but immigration is
3: always such a back burner issue Everything goes in front. They want to put uh, other things in front and be like, oh, this is what we need to worry about. This is what we need to worry about. And they never worry about immigration until it's uh, time to vote. And they'll be like, oh, this is what we could do. It's always the thing. I was like, if I get in office, this is what I will do for you guys. But as soon as they get in office, nothing gets done. Every, both parties are not doing anything because it's such a back burner issue. They always want to talk. About healthcare and other things, but never about immigration.
0: I've just found it really sad that the narrative out there for the news, like it's definitely not a topic that you can just keep up on without seeking information out. And I think that's the really sad thing that if devoting five minutes of the news, two minutes, just to mention a situation that's going on in another country that's affecting migration in that country or here. Um, I think it would do wonders.
3: It's bigger, and I feel like Congress is just too scared to open that can because they do need us, like they do need immigrants to do jobs that nobody's willing to do.
1: We, you know, we keep talking about it's a very complex, and I, I appreciate what you were saying, Yvonne, that it's it's not simple. We know it's complex, but if you don't dig in and start looking yeah. at it, then it won't get resolved. And, and especially around the DACA situation and the dreamers, if you ask the most of the public and you look at the public in polls, most people are totally in agreement that we should have a path to citizen, and I think that's what's also important, and I hear you saying it, you're asking for a path, a way to have all of your rights rights as a citizen.
3: now, now 10 years later, I'm not asking for a pathway. It's been 10 years. I deserve to be a citizen. And I feel like most people don't know that you cannot get citizenship. Like, unless I get married, why do I need to get married to get that? And you cannot become a law enforcement. Let's say I wanted to become a police. You can't. But you can enter into the military.
1: And I think that's nuts. I think it's really important um, that our audience hears from a DACA recipient and what, what what that means. And someone who's contributing to society as as you are, Um, and as as all the of our DACA recipients, and and the eighteen million who are not able to get any status, especially since um, there's been a hold on DACA, and there's a hold entirely on processes that allow people to move forward and and get any kind of legal status.
0: So, Sister Kathy, um, have you just been? A, a support person for Yvonne, or have you had, like, what have you gotten actively involved in?
2: Getting her more involved in the Immigration Task Force. And so we have her on that in the Archdiocese, yeah. in which she is a spokesperson on that. I know our SSND Immigration Fund has helped. We can yeah. apply for $1,000 per person. And so we've been able to help twice with her renewals. And so that has been a large with what our congregation does. She received the Social Poets Award through Network the United States Network of Gathering of Sisters. I'm there to help her family and her and others.
3: So growing up, I was told to never speak about my status. When I met Sister Kathy, it's kind of like she gave me my voice to speak and not be
0: afraid. What would you say, Sister Kathy, would be the best resource for somebody to locate a a means to donate? Through the Archdiocese, like here in
2: St. Louis would be the Archdiocese. We have an immigration task force that deals with immigrant issues. And so in your area, look in the diocesan level to see what agency handles help and fundraisers and education, because everyone likes to do different things. So some might like, like want to advocacy work. Some would like to do fundraisers. Some want to educate. But usually there's an immigration task force or Hispanic office, nationwide, USCCB, the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops. Look up that website and you get a lot of the misinformation information. And real information of what immigration
0: is. And I just want to make this clear so people realize it. Um, You know, regardless of where their stance is on their faith or if they belong to a parish, they can still seek these resources out if they feel strongly about this issue and want to get involved, correct? Right, because this is an interfaith issue. I mean, it really is.
2: Immigration is interfaith. We take students, high school students, down to the border for the mass every year just to educate. The families. And when the students come back, they're on fire with, I want to help. We didn't, we didn't realize this. We weren't taught this in high school, you know. And so we take a bus down to El Paso every November for the mass of the border just to educate them on immigration issues. And when they're down there, they just don't go attend the Eucharist. We, they talk to Border Patrol. They talk to the bishop. They talk to different people that are working at the border on these issues to get a clearer picture because what we hear in a non border state. Is very different than what the reality is at a border state.
0: That is awesome. It's so impactful for them in such at a an important time in their life when you know when you really go off to college. That's when you start experiencing things on your own. So that's that's amazing that there is that opportunity out there and it is impacting the youth that go through it.
2: When we went to the Jeff City Day a month a month ago for the DACA Day, two of the students that went in last November to the border with us were there representing DACA recipients, talking yeah. to representatives and senators because of that bus trip. So it has made a difference in some of their lives.
1: I, I awesome. think it's so important that, you know, for everyone to hear your story, Yvonne, to recognize that this is a story of so many young people. And and I, I really appreciated, as you shared, that you, that most people wouldn't know that you were a DACA recipient. And you're right, it's it's not something that needs to be said. But because of that, many people don't realize. And I think there's an assumption that if children have gone to school, they've graduated from high school, that they are U.S. citizens and don't realize uh, the situation and and appreciate the fact that they can't. their lives are stagnant then. They can't get driver's license, the, the, the normal passages of teenagers to get a driver's license or the normal passage of being able to decide what college you're going to, or what community college, or even what place of employment um, yeah. to be able to do that. And I, I just think that the hearing the stories is so important to move hearts and minds. I really thank you, uh, Sister Kathy, for supporting these young people. And unfortunately, they're not going to be young anymore if we get another decade without <laughs> any
3: kind of changes. Right. And one of the things of the DREAM Act, if it ever passes, you have to be 35 or younger to even qualify. Uh, like most of the people,
0: it's it's over 35 now. Everybody who reaches 35, you, you, you expect to be settled. And for all of these young that cannot apply,
2: we need it to be reopened up so that kids are, that are of age can become DACA, have their license, have a work permit, have a social number. That part needs to be reopened also.
1: Yeah, and the difficulty that sometimes happens now with families with mixed status, you know, those 800,000 where maybe the oldest was able to get a status of DACA and yet their younger brothers and sisters weren't able to. We have the complication also of mixed status of children born in the United States and their parents don't have any documents. You know, one of the pathways is when a young person is 21, they can apply for their parents, but they have to wait until they're 21. Um, so it's, yeah, it again, a broken system. You could uh,
3: apply for advanced parole, but even for, for the application fee, it's $575. And it takes up to six months to be even uh, uh, considered. And it has to be for certain reasons of why you need to leave the country. So you have to ask for permission, even the word advanced parole,
1: you know? It is a risk. You yeah, When you re- go to return, you have no assurity that you'll be let back in, yeah. even if you have deferred action. It's just too great a risk to even do.
0: I have made an analogy that, you know, I feel like having to try to go through that process is similar to the situation of like having to contact a cable company. It's like some areas is your only provider you know, you you spend hours on the phone and sometimes don't get an answer or answer. anything. So I have a new analogy. It's actually the process is actually like the DMV.
3: I think we're our minds, our minds, our minds just went there because i was like, it's more like the DMV because like you get to the DMV, you got all your paperwork and then be like, you forgot this one thing. You need to go back and go get it.
1: I hope our our audience, as they have been listening today, um, stop and think of Catholic social teaching and the words and the teachings of our our Christian faith, that we are to welcome welcome the stranger so the stranger is no longer a stranger, that our immigrant brothers and sisters are exactly that, our brothers and sisters. And we have this wonderful resource and richness in our society of the dreamers, and uh, I keep Going back to that word dreamers, (laughs) they have a dream um, and they have so much to offer.
3: My friend Belen
1: always says
3: that our parents were the dreamers and we are the ones making it happen. We came here for a reason and they were the ones dreaming for us to become better.
0: I want to thank you again for uh, coming onto the podcast and sharing your story with us. Sister Kathy, thank you as well. It has been great having you both on here. And at the end of every episode, we ask the guests to lead us through the prayer that's on our website.
2: I will. And thank you again for having us. Thank you so much.
3: Appreciate this.
2: God of love and compassion, may we always recognize your spirit in the refugee family seeking safety from violence, in the migrant worker bringing food to our tables, in the asylum seekers seeking justice for their families, in the unaccompanied child traveling in a dangerous world. Give us hearts that break open whenever our brother and sisters turn to us. Give us hearts that no longer turn deaf to their ears and voices in times of need. Give us eyes to recognize a moment for grace instead of a threat. Give us voices that fail to remain silent, but which decide instead to advocate prophetically. Give us hands that reach out in welcome, but also in work for a world of justice until all homelands are safe and secure. Bless us, O Lord. Amen.
1: Thank you, Sister Kathy and Yvonne, for joining us. Um, This has been a very rich episode, and we are looking forward to our next episode, um, episode 9. Who will be joining us for that episode is Sister Lucy Nye, and she will be sharing her experience of working on the border.
0: Thank you for listening to Call to Action. I hope you join us for our next conversation airing every other Wednesday. You can listen to past and current episodes of Call to Action by visiting ssndcp.org forward slash call to action or by following us on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Thank you so much for your support. And remember to follow the School Sisters of Notre Dame, Central Pacific Province on Facebook to stay up to date on Call to Action.